Beginning the track, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Welcome, everybody. Episode 22, Sins of the Father. Hi, welcome to Beginning the Track. I am Andy. I am the Trek veteran. And I'm Jessica. I'm the Trek newbie. And we are, what is it, halfway through my journey of Next Generation? Getting close? Um, no, we're, we're, we're tootling right through the Next Generation now. This is our eighth, I think, out of 13. Out of thirteen that we'll be doing in a row here. Okay. So, so. yeah, we've passed. No, we've passed the halfway point. I, I'd say this is we're on we're on the downhill side, mm-hmm. but no, this is this is definitely not the downhill. We're going to be going uphill all the way. Yeah. Awesome. It's just getting better. Like like Trek tends to do. Rocky starts and great finishes. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> lots of lucky finishes too. I guess either that or y'all just keep going until you get it right. You know, like movie after movie and you're like, no, this one, this one was the one that worked. Let's just call that one the end. Yeah. And then we'll start a new series. And, and then we start a new series and everybody gets angry yeah. and then we, we start all over figure again. figure all that out and everybody says, I can't believe that it wasn't always this good. And then we get a whole new crop of fans and that's part of what we're up to is we are creating new fans of the original series, the next generation, Deep Space Nine, the animated series. Voyager mm-hmm. and Star Trek Enterprise, all of which came before Discovery. So that's what we're doing. We are 22 episodes in. Today we're talking Next Generation episode, Sins of the Father. All about Orf, all about the Klingon Empire. And if you haven't seen it, uh, we're about to do our spoiler section and uh, go watch it. It's a good one. I bet it'll be better on rewatch too, because even I changed my mind halfway through. Yeah. On the rating for this one. <laughs> yeah, for the, this was the, for the first time you actually changed your rating during our recording. So yeah. for those of you that are about to listen to that, uh, I guess I... I guess I took the all the excitement and anticipation out of it. <laughs> but you don't know. Maybe she went up. Maybe she went down. We don't know. <laughs> what do, why don't we say, what do we need to know for this before I give my... 10 sentence everything. I think we're ready. Are you ready for your 10 sentences? Yeah. The the only spoiler that I mentioned in the last episode was about the officer exchange program where uh, Commander Riker. Uh, I will start right off with the officer exchange program. So I'm about to say the Enterprise is pretty lucky because even though the crew may not like it, the Klingon Commander Kern has taken over Riker's position for the officer exchange program. Kern tries to instill some Klingon-style discipline, and Geordi and Wesley get whiny to Riker about it, while Worf is feeling really offended because he's being nice to him. Pause for a cultural moment in which Kern complains about burnt replicator food and spreads caviar all over the meat. After dinner, Worf goes to Kern's quarters, and there's a bit of an outburst, and we learn that Kern's been teasing Worf to see how Klingon he really is, because guess what? He's Worf's younger brother. Hey. We get a little backstory on how Worf was adopted, and Kern gives a little backstory on how his parenthood went, and then we get to the actual point about the, how their father, Moog, has been accused of treason by the Klingon High Council. Well, the Enterprise sets right off to the Klingon homeworld to fix this little pickle, and there's a lot of stuff that happens because Klingon tradition, and then a bunch of yelling, and there's a lot of stomping around, and Klingon, and Kern gets stabbed, but he's okay. Just when you think things are going to get figured out because Picard finds a nanny or possibly a servant who can testify to the character of Moog, it turns out that the Klingon Council is just super corrupt. They've known that Moog is totally innocent and we're only using him because he's dead and who cares? We'd rather protect these powerful families who are really the actual traitors. 
Worf, Picard, Kern, on all of us watching are pretty much disgusted, but without causing a civil war, we compromise, and Worf volunteers to take a ritual of disgrace and ostracism to save the Klingon Empire. Yeah. It's a sad way to end this. It is a it is kind of a sad ending to this particular episode, but so goes the lonely life of a Klingon warrior in the Federation. So now we get to talk all about it. Lieutenant Commander Worf. Let's talk episode. Let's talk Worf. Let's talk Sins of the Father. Let's talk the Klingon Empire and Worf and all things Klingon. Except that I would like to say there are no fathers in this episode. None that we see. None that we see. Um, I did think at first that Worf was going to be the dad of Kern for like a tiny moment. And then it turns out, nope, it's his brother. <laughs> yeah, this was bring, this was bring your brother to work day. Uh, well, I'm going to give this straight up a two out of five Worf baldricks. I learned that that's what the little sash that he wears is called. The sash? It's a baldric. Wow. You know what? I'd be willing to bet that most, most Trek fans don't even know that that's called a baldric. They they do now. Yeah, I only I only knew it because I was doing research and I just happened to read that and said, oh, that's interesting. That's about how I came across it. I was like, I need something that's distinct for this episode, and of course, that's there. And then I had to I had to be like, what is Worf's sash thing called? And if you Google that, it shows up as Baldrick. <laughs> It absolutely does. So two out of five. So this was not a favorite for you. No. And I realized that it's way harsher than it needs to be because I'm going to tell you from a beginner standpoint, first viewing, this episode mostly sounds like robotic, angry language being tossed around when they speak Klingon. And why is everybody angry? And I'm not involved enough to really super care about the Klingon Empire and how corrupt or not corrupt it is. Spoilers, guys, it's way corrupt. (laughs) But upon further viewing and a lot of thought, it's one of those that I don't necessarily like, but is actually a really good episode. But I still don't like it, and I don't want to sit down and watch it again. (laughs) So I'm giving it to... I got it. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. And it'll be interesting as we as we get deeper in to see if it's something that you do want to go back and revisit or, or right, you know, right. want to learn more. And this is – I went back and I looked, and we'll talk more about other Klingon episodes and other Worf-specific episodes during Talking Trek. Okay. But I went back, and there have been – three or four good, strong pieces of backstory that kind of give you a little bit more about who he is, what he's up to. And then this episode, which you kind of get to get introduced to him, to who Worf is in this episode. They kind of do it through Kern's eyes. Okay. So that's one of the reasons I I liked this episode for a a good Worf show. Um, Mm -hmm. Plus, his discommendation, the the, the thing that happens to him at the end and this whole thing, Mm -hmm. sets him on a story arc. Yeah. Where he'll go through having to deal with his his dishonor, mm-hmm. uh, which we could talk about, and then deal with the corruption that is exists that's clearly in the empire. Yeah, they totally they totally set this one up for more stories. The way Picard goes to Kern and is just like, you no, know, you need to keep going because Worf made the sacrifice. But we'll get to that way later. Before we get to the heavy stuff, because I know there's there is a lot of heavy in this episode, I want to talk about the face prosthetics. Okay. Because the um, Klingons are he- super heavy in the 
If you're not already a fan of sci-fi, or if you're just starting Star Trek as a way of getting into sci-fi, it's a huge hurdle to get over seeing actors as aliens that aren't subtle in their alienness, that they are full on. They don't look human in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. In a lot of ways, yes. It's hard to relate to. They still have two arms. They still have two legs. It's, you know, those things are kind of difficult to, to erase out in a costume. But but you look at that person and you, you see more animal than you do human being, if you had to classify, or at least a very different kind of person. Right. And it's not that you can't get there. It's just that it takes a lot longer. And I think... And you should you should let me know about this. What do actors do? Because there's some actors who it just seems like, wow, they put on a mask and they become that. And then it's it's amazing. Are they like playing more? Are they expressing more behind all of the makeup and prosthetics? Or are they like, what's the theory behind that? I'm just curious. Well, um, I have been lucky enough and unlucky enough to have actually had prosthetics applied to me, uh, which, by the way, it takes forever to get even small effects and and things put on for, for I, I can't I don't even know how long it took them to put on all that Klingon mm-hmm. headgear and then the makeup and blending it and the teeth and and the details because they had a lot of yes. a lot of close-ups and it was wasn't just wharf I mean it was mm-hmm. it was a lot of them this had to be an expensive episode makeup wise if it's a good makeup artist they will design it in a way that lets the actor emote from within. But so much of the rest of it just comes in the actor really being settled into the rea- their reality of what's happening there, the choices that they've made. Being, being an actor, I can kind of – I don't want to get too like yeah. <laughs> hippy-dippy sure. actory here. <laughs> but but um, if you can really be – authentic about what's going on, even if that authenticity is, I'm in a fight with another Klingon that wants to kill me. Right. If you can really believe that, it shows up in your eyes. It shows up in your lips. It shows up in the tightness. of, And and we human beings can sense that and see that, which is why a good actor is going to shine through because if they're really being authentic to the moment, you see authentic stuff happening there. And then you, the the viewer, fills in the rest. All right. Did I answer your question? Yeah, because I didn't... I mean, it's one of those things that if, you, if you're not in that business, you don't really think about. And you just kind of get an intuitive sense whether or not somebody has done that for you on a screen. Uh, and Worf, I don't see as, like, an animal who's shaped more human it's uh, he's a part of the crew but yeah. he's been given so little time on screen what i've really seen are a couple instances when picard tells him to not be so angry and to calm down and uh then a couple of like jokes one-offs with the prune juice that kind of thing so this gives me a, a lot better sense of who Worf is and this is the other reason that I waited for this episode. There's he does have some featured episodes earlier, mm-hmm. and and they're good. Um, I would I would and will when we get to talking track recommend a couple for you. Okay, uh, but 
he still has some of that anger. They're still finding out who he is. At this point, he has settled in. Michael Dorn, the, the actor that plays Worf, has settled in very nicely to not necessarily an angry screaming character all the time. Oh, thank God. Because that's kind of what we got in the first season or two. Yeah, a little bit. He's the first guy that actually gets to play a Klingon on a regular basis. And he's figuring out a whole... It's like Leonard Nimoy with Spock, you know? How do you play a Vulcan? I don't know. There hasn't been one before. Well, you're going to be the first. Right. How do you play this guy? And, And so by the time we get to this show, he's figured it out. And they've started to create a storyline for him that is really interesting and it it gets deep and fun. And, you know, we haven't even talked about the story of this. We're just talking about Worf. Right. But the the Duras family, you know, they're already betrayers to the Empire and they've got power. Hmm. Mm, Yeah. Let's see if maybe they show up more corrupt in the future. I'll bet they do. I bet they do. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet they do. Kempak is going to, and I'll even mention this, in, in the next episode uh, that he's involved in, he, he gets poisoned. He's And it starts out with him. He's going to be poisoned. He's going to be dead by the end of the episode. And he chooses Picard to find his successor. He become, Picard becomes his arbiter of succession. And so guided by Worf and things like that, we get to see how the next step, and it's between the Duras and then this other guy named Galran. And... Worf gets very involved in this because of something that's happened in a previous episode. And see, there's all kinds of stuff happening with Worf. Okay, see, yeah, and that's good. And I wanted to place, because obviously I saw Undiscovered Country a while ago. Yes. And that was great. And one of the things that I said that I had loved about that is that the Klingons weren't, you know, bad guy of the week or even the big bad. that uh, They gave them a culture. And I got to thinking about it and I was just like, yes, and the courts of the Klingons are still very corrupt because they were corrupt in undiscovered country as well. Yes. Yeah. Not much has changed in 80 years between between um, Kirk's time of Klingon corruption. Right. And, and Worf's time of Klingon corruption. Time of, yeah. I, you know. So how <laughs> is it that Worf has the idea that Klingons are all honor and strength? A fantastic question. Worf did not, obviously Worf's father was killed when he was a child. He grew up. So he grew up on earth with foster parents. He grew up in Russia with um, the Roshenkos. There's an episode about them. I'll be recommending that one. Highly recommending that one. In fact, if there's one that's not on the list that I, I recommend and I recommend it at a particular time, you watch it be that one. Anyway, so so he grew up on Earth, which means his view of Klingon society probably it comes from mm-hmm. human schools teaching about Klingon society, what he can learn on his own, and what his human mm-hmm. parents teach him. So Worf might be the most honorable Klingon around. Right. Because it's not real. It's an ideal. Yeah, when you when you look at the, the, the Dungeons and Dragons alignments, that man is lawful good in terms of being a Klingon. Gotcha. I wish he wasn't. This was one thing that the reason it's so low. Well, okay, there's actually two things. The first is that I personally have a dislike for sci-fi that gets bureaucratic. Mm-hmm. When the bad guy that you're fighting isn't an actual bad guy or uh, it's just red tape and paper pushing monsters. Yes. They're the worst monsters. 
and they get under my skin and I have an irrational hate of all of the sci-fi because that's not what I want from my sci-fi. It drives me person, and I know that's the personal level. So, oh, okay. At least one of those stars was docked because I am who I am, <laughs> which is unfair but true. Yeah. No, I got it. I, I stuck a, I, I, I stuck a pebble in your shoe or something like that. I, I yeah. No, 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 that's not you. That because that happens across the board. It seems like every sci-fi show, Battlestar Galactica, Stargate, Babylon Five, every single you know kind of franchise one gets at least an episode or two and sometimes it's a whole season and I can't handle it. It drives me crazy on a personal level. So that's just me. But the other thing was what Worf did. I'm trying really hard to like somebody in this episode and I don't like anybody. Mm. And I understand I'm, I get a better sense of who Worf is mm -hmm. and I definitely get a sense of who Klingons are as a whole. Yeah. Kern is really great at showing like, another side of a here's here's one you get a, an in-depth more in-depth look at who isn't Worf because what you just said Worf is adopted and all of his are ideals but there's not really even Picard even the nanny slash servant Kalest isn't really likable nobody is standing on principle here and Worf kind of just backs off at the end he's just like okay I well I don't want to die and I don't want my brother to die so I'm gonna say something true isn't because you're not giving me another choice and you're th essentially threatening me with civil war that we don't know is going to happen but we assume is going to happen and what I don't want from that, I don't care about all these higher ups who might get disgraced and cause a civil war. I care about all of the working people who the civil war would hurt the most. Yeah. The society, the people. The the actual society, the actual people that these assholes up in the bureaucratic stations build their money and their prestige and their honor or whatever the Klingon version of this is. And I know I'm drawing a lot of parallels to today's politics, but Star Trek has always been and will continue to be an allegory of humanity. I mean, we can see ourselves and we're looking for ourselves. And when you look at the Klingon Empire and you see a corrupt government, yeah, which makes you angry so much, maybe in a similar way to seeing corruption in real life leadership yeah that makes you angry and, and it's striking a nerve very much yeah these are these are interesting times those are interesting times you know what's to be done you, you give give me a hero well someone has to step up and be be the bigger person and wharf was even ready to do that wharf was ready to die Worf was ready to. The discommendation thing only came after Picard stepped in and said, no, you will not do this. And then Worf took another look and said, uh-oh, now the Federation is involved too. What's the thing I can do to make it work for everyone? Right. To Like Worf played, played ultimate peacemaker at the cost of his, the thing that meant more to him than his life, which was his own honor. What, I'm knowing him. Obviously, you have a deep connection to Worf. Yes, and I know where he goes. I know. I know the story. So this, yeah, um, the discommendation. Yes, I had two thoughts about this because on the one hand, Worf's life isn't really doesn't seem like it's going to change all that much. He's going to head back to the Enterprise and uh, 
Klingons are going to shame him, but it looks like they've been doing that because they didn't even expect him to show up. So they don't really care about his honor at all. Right. If they're thinking about him at all, it's not in any kind of honorable way. Yeah, they're going to shame him. And then they're going to, you know, when after they shame him, they'll shame him again. Right. Uh, But the truth is the people he's actually living amongst know his sacrifice. So he's better off. He's definitely higher in my view and on the ship's crew. So the people he's working with understand that. Mm -hmm. Did he really sacrifice all that much? What I know about his discommendation for Worf, there is no greater, there's no greater thing about life than to be an honorable Klingon, to be a Klingon with honor. That's that's how he raised, and, and I'm really going to say he raised himself. Because mm-hmm. uh, even though he was on the, the earth with the Roshenkos, I mean, they were a fun, adorable Russian couple, you know, plump Russian couple. <laughs> okay. And, you know, he developed this need to believe that he was, he was this almost paladin of the Klingons and then to show up and see this level of corruption right? and have to give up instead of his life, which is a part of that Klingon nest that he cares about so much. They're willing to die. They're willing to sacrifice themselves for the fight. Or so he thinks. Well, that's what in his view, again, right. is he... More Klingon than other Klingons? Is he a completely, like, like, how do Klingons look at him? Do they look at him and say, oh, my gosh, is he for real? Th- that guy's over the top. They, You know, that may be, they may look at him from that perspective. But from his perspective, that's what it means to be a real Klingon. And so to have to give up the thing mm-hmm. for seven generations, right? Was seven, is, is that where he talks about the seven generations? I believe so. I'm trying to remember where the where that shows up. Uh, but for seven generations, he's going to be, he will be dishonored. His children will be dishonored. Yeah, at the very end. That's huge for him. Losing his life rather than that, I don't know. It'd be like, would you rather lose your spouse or would you rather lose your life? Which is going to hurt you more? Right, right. To live on alone, knowing that that was your choice too, by the way. There's the metaphor. I finally found the metaphor. You're right. It's a very, very grim metaphor. Having to give up something so important to you, still living, but thinking that that's the only choice I can make that appeases everybody else, the Klingons, the Federation. But his life doesn't actually change all that much. And if he stopped telling himself that Klingons are this super honorable thing, he can live with like kind of a self-righteous shame, an actual like righteousness in himself kind of shame that he knows it's shameful, but right, yeah, he like he could find a way to get over this. Well, he may get over That's it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he's 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 in the Federation now. He doesn't hang out with Klingons too much. When they do run into Klingons for the next couple of seasons, uh, 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 there's an episode that we'll talk about in track called Redemption. That's a kind of another turning point in this story for him. So this didn't even like lead to a sequel. It led to an entire series of events that they explore in Star Trek. Gotcha. Absolutely. On, on top of that, um, it will create, I'm I'm thinking here. So let's see, we got Kempek who will come back long enough to be poisoned and die for the new leader to take over. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll save that one for you. We get the Duras kid, the Duras sisters. Okay. Who you'll just 
love. They're a pain in the, a total pain in the ass. Yeah. They, when they show up, all hell breaks loose all Good the stuff. time. All right. So, so yeah. And, and they, and they even make their way into deep space nine and Duras does, Galran does, Kern will, will show up again. Um, you're going to get to meet several more and especially in the deep space nine, when a lot of these characters that mm-hmm. we're just starting to meet now will get longer story arcs in gotcha. bigger so this is kind of cool. It's an origin story for a lot of the characters. Yeah, and kind of an origin story for how the Klingons are going to be going forward. Right. Yeah. That works. Um, okay, the other giant big thing that I wanted to talk about, and also because it's slightly personal, is the culture clashing. Yeah. That when, in the very beginning, because this story does not go in the place that you think it's going to go. Even at the end, the twist of uh, Picard and the crew find the evidence and they go after, uh, remind me her name. Uh, K-Lest. They all have K's, right? Like they're all K's. <laughs> you think they're going to bring k back and be like, ah, ha, ha, here we've won. And then the other guy will be shamed and Worf will be free to go. And then that's so not how it goes, which is great. But even the very beginning is super different from the very end because you think it's going to be a brother thing. It's like two different episodes. It really is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After the caviar gets, you know, smushed onto the turkey, chicken. It's like the, there's a turning point with that joke. <laughs> Well, well, um, so yeah, let's, let's start with that because you're right. This was, it was like two different, not start, we're halfway in, um, but we're halfway in already. Let's start on this topic. Let's start yeah. something new. Let's talk about uh, bring your brother to work day. So let's talk about Kern coming aboard. So I mentioned, uh, the episode where Riker goes, uh, onto the Pah. Uh, which is the Klingon ship. And that's a fun adventure for him. It's, it doesn't involve any of these guys, but you meet a whole crew of Klingons, men mm-hmm. and women, working together, and he has to deal with it. He gets to have a meal with them, and he eats the live food, the gach, which is like these worms, and he had prepared by eating gach, but he didn't know that they were alive. So when they serve it to him... that's a He has the same... He has the same reaction. That is so beautiful. That's wonderful. They are definitely mirrors uh, of each other. And that that dinner scene with Kern where, uh, what does he say? I'll try some of your uh, replicated burned Burned. burned bird meat. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which is just, you know, and then he puts the cab, he just. Right, he just smears it. Uh, the caviar on there. That's the sign of a fantastic... That actor, he is so good because it's a sign of someone really settled into this is going to be uncomfortable for me and allowing himself to be uncomfortable. He does it again on the bridge when when he says, Captain, the crew awaits your orders and they give the first order mm-hmm. and Picard sits down and Riker sits down in the command chairs and Kern looks back at the chair. You may not have even noticed. He looks back at the chair like, mm-hmm. oh, that's right. You sit here. And he plops into the chair in the most uncomfortable way. I mean, he just looks like he looks so uncomfortable from the moment that he's sitting down, but he does it. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's just, it's, it's a brilliant, authentic moment. So, mm. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Cause I gotta say, um, I've skipped around and this is why it got personal for me 
I've skipped around the country and I've never gotten to go overseas really, uh, but, but I'd love to kind of for this exact thing. When you are alone in a whole other culture, it is that it is everything that somebody you have been brought to assume is correct behavior, manners, totally different manners don't mean the same thing in other cultures. And it's just like, oh, well, I was being nice. Well, oh, they were, that was not nice. That was rude. In the tiniest little things you can offend. And until you're most especially alone in it, because the second you have a buddy who's there with you, it's not the same thing. Then you guys get to be like, oh, we're this way and you guys are this way. But the fact that Riker alone went over and immersed himself into, oh, this is very uncomfortable, like you said, and Kern does the same thing and messes up. Well, we we think it's messing up. He just knows that that's how you're supposed to be the second in command to a ship. You tell people what to do and then they do it. They don't give you advice, you know, because that's not that's not what you do. You could get killed for that. Uh, and I just thought that that played really nicely. Just one of the things that I liked. I was like, OK, this is that worked really well. I agree. I, I think I think um he put so much thought into this character that was literally, I, I don't know whether they ever thought that they were going to bring Kern back um, at this point. They, you know, obviously he's Worf's brother. So it was a, what they would call a possible recurring role mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you may see him again in the future and you do. So Kern comes in and then in the next episode we'll meet, uh, I think we meet the Duras sisters in that episode and we meet Galran. When we started this trek, I had to look at the at the storylines mm. and say, how am I going to carry you through a series? And how am I going to carry you through from series to series so that you get background in this series that, series that leads you to the next one? And the Klingons was one of the storylines I wanted to try and follow through because we see them in everything. Back in the original series when... <laughs> like they're not going to look the same at all. We saw them in the original. We saw them in the. We didn't see them in the animated, but they're in the animated. Mm. Um, they're certainly here. We got them on the bridge. Uh, we're going to be heavily, heavily involved with them in Deep Space Nine, and then Voyager, where you wouldn't think we would have any hint, hint. You don't know what it's about yet. Ha ha ha. <laughs> but and we still have Klingon influence there uh, in in Bolana Torres. So um, and then we get to to hack. Broken Bow, which is the Enterprise pilot, which we're also going to watch, starts with a Klingon. So Klingons, Klingons everywhere. And, you know, just for fun, Discovery, all about the Klingon war. So there you go. All right. It seems, it seems like it would be a hard, hard thing to jump into because... Klingons. I mean, the without knowing anything, you think, oh, God, like weird language, aliens. I am. This is not going to be relatable at all. Well, this journey started. God, what? It's, for us, it was twenty some weeks ago. But it, it started for you when we watched Errand of Mercy, right? And you met Commander Kor. Yep. And then you watched Trouble with Tribbles, and you got to see Commander Koloth. Yep. Might see one or two of those guys again. We are totally talking Trek. So before we, um, do you do you want to say anything else about the actual episodes? Because I've kind of said. Yeah, I mean the storyline. The storyline is the storyline. We 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 start with this wonderful story about Kern and how he treats everyone. And I love the the. We could talk about you know Wesley complaining, Jordy complaining, right? 
Kern's messing up. And then Riker, like, buying into the complaints mm-hmm. just enough. Mm-hmm. And of all people, Riker should have known better than to approach him like that. Yes. You know, like, Riker would know, this guy, if if I offend him. Well, I love the way it's like, I want to give you some advice. And Kern's like, no. And then Riker does anyway. And then Kern's like, I should have killed you. Like, okay. (laughs) But no, what Riker should have done is played both sides. He should have told Wesley, you know what? This is how it is. Suck it up and deal with it. That's the entire point of him being here is that you learn. Yeah. That's and then also go to Kern and say, Yeah. Just in case you were wondering, this isn't how we do things here. Kern Kern got a huge opportunity. Riker mm-hmm. got a huge opportunity in that other episode to go to go and and see what it's like to really experience being on another ship. To truly understand, yes. With a mm-hmm. whole different culture and get them. And and I know Riker comes out of it a stronger a stronger person, you know, for it and refers back to it often. So I can only imagine that Kern is getting all kinds of great insights too but you get something by being a member of the crew that yep. takes that guy on too and yeah they, they, both Jordy and and Wesley were just whiners <laughs> he's a Klingon of course he's gonna be yelling at you and stuff he's a freaking Klingon yeah and it doesn't change once they get down to the Klingon Empire city they're still just yelling at each other which is why it's off-putting. It's like, uh, can you just talk to each other? Screaming all the time. I don't know. I think we've talked about... Yeah, is there anything else about the episode, the discommendation? The one thing about the discommendation that I always point out something goofy, right? So I can imagine there might be some people who are discommendated that would be upset at the very people who are turning their backs on him right now. And this seems to me like it would be a great opportunity to stab a few people in the back if you wanted to like do something about it. And it just like, it was such a clunky, it looked cool. They cross their arms and then they all turn around and then he's standing in the middle and he has to walk out somewhere. And so when he walks out somewhere, they're now facing him walking away. I didn't read very much into that because I was a little bit pissed at Worf at that point. And I was just like, really? Because it just, I, I wanted someone, literally anyone to be a hero and everybody compromised in pretty much every single way, except for the bad guys who were the actual traitors and his kids. They didn't compromise at all. And they won. (laughs) Oh, Andy's already dancing on the screen because he's so excited to talk about Klingons. I love the Klingon race. I love the Klingon Empire. I think that they are they're one of the more interesting parts about about Star Trek. Do you remember the first time when you got in cuz you watched the original series? Yeah. It just grew for you? You're like this is good stuff. So the first episode of Klingons that I ever saw, I didn't really understand it the first time I saw it. It was Day of the Dove. I've mentioned this one. Mm-hmm. And it was back in the original series of the three iconic Klingons. Mm-hmm. You've seen two of them. Uh, three iconic from the original series. You've seen two of them. Kor from... Errand of Mercy. Errand of Mercy. Koloth from Trouble with Tribbles. And then the third one is Kang, played by Michael Ansara, from Day of the Dove. And that's the episode I saw. And a, a small group of, of Klingons end up on the Enterprise 
and they get sealed, like 40 of them and 40 Enterprise crew members also get sealed like together in this part of the Enterprise and they end up pitted against each other and it's all being run by this alien puppet master that's just like feeding us aggression and anger and we need to overcome that aggression and anger and it gets pretty deep and intense and a little rapey. All right. Mm. Chekhov gets affected a little bit more and it's, yeah, it gets a little, little, ugh. but um, that was the first time I ever saw the Klingons. So I didn't, mm-hmm. and I was young and I didn't quite get that. Then I saw the trouble with Tribbles and the goofy bar fight. And <laughs> yeah. I remember the goofy bar fight. Right? Like, that's probably still happening at this very moment. It just goes on and on and on forever. As long as you can escape with your drinks. long as you can get out the door with your drinks and, yeah, oh, boy. The love affair that I've had for, with the Klingons, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's just there's something about this race that they were far more, they felt far more honorable back in the original series. Before we knew that, well, they didn't do anything except for just fight. Okay, they just do what they wanted. All right, no, 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 that's fair. Because I was looking at honorable as in like doing the right thing, as in not massacring, you know, people. But <laughs> if that's not that's a morality, that's morality. Yeah, that's, that's not honor. That's a different thing. That honor is. I, I say I'm going to be this, and this is who I'm going to be. It, you know, they say I am a warrior, and I will fight for being Klingon, and I and they do. So you can't fault them for being who they say they are. (laughs) But then we get to the undiscovered country. Right. And it turns out they're not who they say they are. Really? You know, then we get here (laughs) to Sins of the Father, and we find out that they really haven't made many improvements over the last 80 years. Maybe they're, they're more human than the Federation. Huh. You think maybe that they're giving us an opportunity to look at ourselves without judging ourselves? In a very militaristic, male-centric kind of way? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that I think that that's part of why the Klingons are here is that why they exist in Star Trek is it gives us a chance to look at an ugly side of us. It's them. Yes, they're them. Because it's not really us. It's the Klingons. It's the Kling- They're not even human. Picard, well, no, Picard is us. Kirk is us. We can justify that away. But those Klingons. Yeah. Mm, I don't know about that corrupt system, right? And, yeah, yeah. And neither is Spock. Spock's not us. And neither is Data. He's not us. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I kind of already mentioned, I think, in, in the episode por- portion about Kempak and mm-hmm. uh, he'll get poisoned. Yeah, we're going to see that and more ongoing stories. Yeah. So so let me give you a couple of Klingon episode okay. suggestions. I already t- mentioned Day of the Dove. I've mentioned it before. Day of the Dove. Watch it again. And might be relevant because when we get to Deep Space Nine, we're going to – I'll just spoil this a tiny little bit. Those three iconic Klingons mm-hmm. will all get a makeover. They'll all get the the foreheads. Does this does Star Trek ever not give anybody makeovers? <laughs> like every time something new, they're like, no. <laughs> rebrand. Well, I don't know. They keep rebranding Marvel, DC. It, they, they this isn't the vision of Superman that I think was in the original comics. That's true. The, this is the this is the age of the rebrand. Discovery is not campy. Like, I mean, okay, I haven't seen it because I've been holding off, but no, like Discovery is in no way campy. campy. Discovery is Discovery is a story that is told from the perspective of 
today's storytelling. Mm. It's dark. It's gritty. It's got lots of unnecessary plot twists. <laughs> in your opinion. <laughs> totally. Like, yes, in my opinion. Sorry. So you were talking about the characters and you were going to recommend... Of course, Day of the Dove and... Yeah, so so I've got... And I have a couple of ways I can go with recommending, too. There are some fantastic Klingon story episodes, ones that involve Worf. They all... Obviously, any Klingon story is going to involve Worf. So I've got a couple that I can recommend to, to like, further that storyline. But... Worf does other stuff too. And so I'm going to, I'll recommend four or five different episodes here. So the first one, go back to the first season if you want. It's called Heart of Glory. And it's the first time that we really start to explore who Worf is. Okay. A couple of, actually three Klingons make their way onto the ship. Remember, this is first season, so still finding ourselves. They're, they're yelling at each other. They're all that. But this one's one where it tests Worf's loyalties. And we're still trying to figure out, is Worf on our side or is he more Klingon? Okay. So, so even Picard is testing that in this episode. Fun episode. Also, that's the episode where we get the Klingon death scream, chant, howl is what it is. Okay. When a Klingon warrior is killed, the a, a fellow warrior will open his eyes so that he can see his way into the afterlife and then will howl loudly. They'll all howl loudly to inform the afterlife that a Klingon warrior is arriving. Whoa. And it's really cool and ritualistic when it happens. And at some point it will happen and you'll see it and you'll be like, what was that? Now you know. Okay. First time you see it is in Heart of Glory. The body's there and they just open their eyes. Like Oh, with, the, the people around the body open their eyes. Yes. Do you do they this open, yes. for friends and family or do you do this like if they had a civil war, they would do it constantly? For a warrior. For a warrior. Yeah. If it Well, I mean, I... Wow, at the end of a battle, I suppose it would get really screamy. <laughs> I never thought about what it would be like at the end of a... Well, you got 78 Klingons that have all fallen in battle. Okay, you go and get those 20. You do those 20 over there. I'm going to hit these guys over here. And then it's just nonstop opening eyes and screaming for the next 15 minutes. I never really thought about that. They all do it in unison. Right. When, there's a, when there's a death, they all do it in unison. So I would assume that for a battle of that, size that they would ritualistically okay. do it. I just haven't seen that. Um, but it's a way to, uh, it's it's their way of I guess mourning. You know, that's their mourning. Mm-hmm. Because a warrior has died in battle and is coming to the afterlife as as a full-fledged warrior. The afterlife, by the way, is Stovokor. I know a lot about the Klingons. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, if I ever have questions. So, in the second season, there was an episode called The Emissary. Okay. And in the emissary, a Klingon, a female Klingon comes aboard the ship because there is a sleeper Klingon ship from Kirk's time. And they think the war is still going on and they're going to start attacking Federation outposts. So we have to go and stop them. And this emissary comes on board to help. Well, it turns out she has a prior relationship with Worf that gets explored. Of course she does. Yes. They all just know each other. (laughs) Sorry. It well. I mean, yeah, I get it for the story, but uh, it's, yeah, <laughs> what are the odds? Um, fifty percent. <laughs> it either happens or it doesn't, right? Those are not correct statistics. No, how many <laughs> Klingons are actually in existence in Star Trek? Okay, that it's one out of that. Seven. 
I don't know. It's not 50%. <laughs> Maybe 52. I don't know. 60-40. Six of one, half So, Day of the, the Dove, other. Heart of Glory, The Emissary, and more yeah and then let's let let me talk about redemption which is the season four finale going into the season five um uh the season five premiere and so it's a two-part episode that involves the klingons uh warf will actually end up leaving the enterprise for a bit and serving aboard a klingon ship and as a part of this they will give him his honor back. So he will return. He, eventually, he'll get his honor back, join a new house of the Klingon Empire, and uh, get involved in their stuff. I think he should create his own house, because the House of Worf would be the best house in the Klingon Empire. Yeah, he, he has a very long story arc. He gets to do all kinds of really cool stuff. And then uh, in, in Redemption. Now, if you want to watch a couple of episodes about Worf but that aren't specific to the Klingon Empire. And we are so dark with all the Worf stuff. Let's do something fun and totally goofy. How about a holodeck episode with Worf? I hope he looks as dapper as he did in uh, Elementary Dear Data. Well, he gets to wear a cowboy hat. Oh, fun! And they go to the Old West. Okay, So it's called A Fist Full of Datas. Okay. Okay, it's the sixth season, eighth episode. I can only think of one spoiler, and I'm going to spoil this for you right now. We're going to learn about this. Remember I told you about the emissary and the woman that comes aboard, and they have a relationship? Mm-hmm. Okay, Worf knocks her up. So <laughs> Worf is a daddy. Worf becomes a dad. Baby mama drama. No, actually, she um, doesn't make it through... Oh, we, 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 we don't see her uh, again. Does she die in childbirth? Uh, she, she, we see her one more time. No, she doesn't die in childbirth. Oh, she I'll she gets killed that. by... Wow, do I want to spoil this for you? I don't know. Are you going to make me watch it? No, it's no, okay. it's, it's in there. She gets killed by, by the Duras. Who are the Duras? The bad guys in this one? The, that's the house, right? Yeah, the same Duras that Kay. were the bad guys. That house, they, they kill her. <sighs> Somebody needs to take these guys out. Well, Worf kills Duras, and then the Duras sisters start weeping havoc everywhere. Okay. So, yeah, it's 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 a whole thing. But she got knocked up. She had her baby. His name is Alexander. He's been living with the Roshenkos on Earth. But the Roshenkos are getting old, and now Alexander is going to come and live on the Enterprise for a while. Get a Klingon version of Wesley. Yeah. Um, really? Only, yeah, they don't handle it in the best possible way, but the, the bottom line is he's got a son that mm-hmm. uh, is, is just sometimes, sometimes annoying and sometimes adorable. Very Wesley, very Wesley Crusher. And in a fistful, so now you've got your spoiler on, okay. on this. A fistful of datas, Alexander takes his father into the holodeck for a, a little shoot 'em up in um, Deadwood, Arizona, in the, the ancient West. Where they meet. Well, they at the same time, they're doing some repair work on the computer, and they've hooked up data to the computer. <laughs> and, it, and it sort of downloads, like, a bunch of datas into the program. Yes. And you end up with 
I don't know, half a dozen datas. Of maybe a fistful of them? Running around in a variety of Western wear. Okay, how can I not watch this episode? I might not watch the other four. You can't, you can't watch not watch. Do, do you get how much time I spent telling you about this episode? There's only one reason I spent this much time telling you about this episode, because I know you're going to watch it. I like it. Look, if you're looking for something fun for him, uh, oh, oh, Deanna Troy featured prominently All right. in A Fistful of Datas. And she's good. She goes into the holodeck with them. She puts on the costume. She has a good old time. Does and she have a, like a tiny hat that sits atop her head, hair jauntily? She she plays the gunslinger. <gasps> yes. Yeah. She yes. wants to be like the mysterious stranger that comes in town, and she cool. takes on that role. And she's so she's fun. not she's not in like the petticoats and stuff. Nope. Not even a little bit. No, they got her in the, the, yeah, they got her in the tight leathers. Fantastic. This whole episode was nothing but meet the, meet the Klingons mm-hmm. and meet Worf. And I know you give it, a, I know in the episode you give it two out of five. But I hope you start to see that this is the start of a, like, you've missed a little, so there's oh, some context totally. missing. And this is just chapter, like, one or maybe chapter three of a really big epic coming from from Star Trek called The Klingons. All right, I'm going to, the, this will be the first time that I've done this because I knew that two out of five was undeserved and it was just me being cranky. We're going to go three out of five. How? Because I still don't necessarily want to sit down and be like, no, 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 you have to see this. It's so good. But it's better than a two out of five. So three out of five, I have revised. Well... Possibly because your infectious love of Worf. That might have something to do with it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, cool. I will. Uh, we will update your predict or not your prediction. We will update your rating from two to three. Two three. All right. <laughs> that was actually me, guys. So what am I watching next week? We have arrived at the season three finale. This is one of the episodes that when I asked people if you were going to show someone Star Trek, this is the one that they all say, I don't know when you're going to show this, but you darn well better make sure it's on your list. Aha, okay. We've, We've done a lot of spoiler stuff to get you to this point already. Oh, you okay. No, so no spoilers. Gotcha. As far as the story goes. So you have all the knowledge. There's no spoilers about the story that I have to give you for this episode. We have watched all the background that you need. All right. Pop culturally, though, there is something I want to let you know about that we started to hear rumors about just before this episode aired. Okay. And this was before the internet. So this was stuff that showed up in magazines like Starlog and that we got just little tiny snippets of of news about. Patrick Stewart might be leaving Star Trek. Okay. That was the rumor. So, of course, you're going to be like, oh, they're going to kill him off. And here we are coming into the final episode, and are they going to kill off Patrick Stewart? And so that's the only spoiler I'm going to give you. We had to sit through it with that piece of knowledge. Oh, this is so mean. You know that I am living in the world of streaming Netflix on demand, without interruption, I could sit down for an entire weekend and never leave the couch and have like Uber deliver to me. Yes, I'm aware. I'm aware <sighs> that you you live in a magical age where everything is on a silver platter and can be handed to you. And even this can be handed to you if you want it. And I'm going to urge you to do exactly what I say. I will do as you say. This is a two-part episode. This is a two-part episode. 
that ends with the third season and then picks up again with the fourth season. We're only going to watch episode one. Okay. So only the first hour, which means you don't have to watch a two-part, two-hour episode this week. It's just part one. Don't silver line this for me. You know I'm going to get to the end of this and want more. You'll probably call me as soon as it's over and say, how could you? So this cast feature, or this episode features the ensemble. Okay. Everybody gets an opportunity to play. Everybody gets an opportunity to shine. Okay. And the name of the episode from the third season, the 26th and final episode, The Best of Both Worlds, Part One. The Best of Both Worlds, Part One. Ooh, Best of Both Worlds. Okay. We, there were rumors that Patrick Stewart might be leaving the show. Mm-hmm. Nobody quite understood what was going on there, but like that was a thing Okay, going into this. All right. Just based off of the title, I want to say it's like a mirror universe thing or one of those times. Because eh, who doesn't love... You know a- what? I, I, I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you one more thing. Okay. Back when when we did Q Who, I think I said something like, I'll let you know that this is the episode where they're coming. Okay. This is the episode. It's time for the Borg. Oh, of course. Okay. So, the Borg are here, and the Enterprise is on the front line to stop them, and they're going to throw all of their weapons at them, and it's going to do nothing. So what's going to happen is, because you've also said the next time we meet them, they're going to talk, and we're not going to like it. So we're going to meet the little hive leader or insect. It's going to be a woman, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed. If you're going to have a hive, it's going to be like a, a queen, queen bee kind of thing going okay. on. And she is going to infect all of the crew with uh, the computer machiney things that the Borg is. But, and this might be the but that comes in the second part of this, is that she's going to find out that all of the strong human elements that make the Enterprise the Enterprise, like Picard's incredible... <laughs> uh, this is going on way too long. The, he, he's, they're they're going to overpower the Queen with sheer sense of wonderfulness that makes them them. It's going to be one of those, you're too human to become a Borg. Got it. Yeah? I got that. I got the whole... Pre- okay, so so that needs to go into the giant prediction machine. <laughs> so let me just do that. And that's done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, okay, so I actually am going to be tweeting that out. 7 p.m. February the 25th. That's at Begin the Trek on Twitter. Later on, it shows up when we post the episode on our website, beginningthetrek.com, and on Facebook at Beginning the Trek. Absolutely. And we do ask you, when you download your podcast from either iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your your podcast from, to please subscribe, like, comment. We would love to hear your comments, please. Uh, and engage with us. We want to talk about uh, we want to talk about some of the stuff. We've had some pretty good, uh, we've had a couple of really fun comments, and I want to keep that going. Let's, let's, let's talk Trek. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, if email is more your thing, we do have an email that will go to both of us. It's info at beginningthetrek.com. So if you want to do that. You never call. You never write. Give us a call. Let us know how you like that sweater we gave you for last Christmas. And we'll see you next week. And we'll see you next week. Have fun. Best of both worlds, Jessica. Have a great time. Bye. Bye.
All right, why don't you ask me again? Uh, so there was something there about something, and then I related it to something else, and it was a really good segue. <laughs> you could just ask. <laughs> I forgot. Okay, the truth is I forgot what I asked you. What are we watching next week? Oh. <laughs> We're 40 seconds into the next week track. I thought maybe that might be the question to ask. You say this like we've done this before. Only 21 times before this. So what am I watching next week? Next week.